Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Good morning. Today's reading is from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This is on page 290 in your Pew Bible. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted to you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Can you believe that I have been pastor of this church for almost ten and a half years? I'd love to tell you more about the first weeks of my days as pastor, but it's all still such a blur I don't have much to say on the matter. The first two weeks or so, things came to me faster than I could deal with. 
People wanted forms signed to change this and to do that. Tuesday, the photographer's going to be here. You'll need to be dressed for the photographer on Tuesday. We need this for the heritage room. You've got to sign this. this. It was just coming faster than I knew what to do with. One of the things I had to do that week was for the historical archives was to sign this picture. I know you can't see it, but it's a yellowed page with the signature of all seven pastors of Second Ponce. Ryland Knight signed it in 1942. He was the first to sign this picture. And one of my assignments that first two weeks was I had to do the ceremonial signing of this picture. I also had to pose for a photograph to be put in the heritage room alongside all the other pastors of Second Ponce. And when the photograph was developed and framed and hung, John Roma took me aside and said, I want to take you into the heritage room and show you. And I looked and said, uh-oh, can you move that somewhere else on the wall? I don't feel good sitting that close to Monroe Swilly. I was fully intimidated. I suppose a lot of us have felt the tremble of being asked to assume leadership in a role that felt like it was beyond our abilities. Today's story is the transfer of leadership from Elijah to Elisha. It is a beautiful story. But I've just got to tell you, it would have been helpful to generations of preachers if their names had not been so darn close. Elisha and Elijah. Guaranteed, I'm going to invert those at least once in the next 20 minutes. But it is such a great story. And I am certain that Elisha's teeth chattered at the prospect of following Elijah as leader. Now, I may stand in the awesome shadow of Monroe Swilly and Russell Dilday and all the others who preceded me in this role, but following Elijah would have been extra daunting. He was among the tallest of God's chosen leaders. Few individuals have made the historical impact that this gifted prophet made. To this day, did you know that it is Elijah whom the Jewish people expect to return and announce the coming of the Messiah? And at the Passover celebration, modern Jews still leave the door open, set a place for Elijah at the table. He was a man of unusual leadership and courage. He's depicted as having the rare ability to endure tensions that have turned lesser leaders to dust. One example of this is his strength before the king of Israel. Ahab was king of the northern kingdom, and Elijah made no, uh, no qualms about his disagreements with the policies of the throne. And one day, the two of them happened to meet face to face on the road. And the king addressed Elijah and said, Troublemaker of Israel, daring to oppose the king, And Elijah refused to be intimidated. He squared his shoulders and said, you are wrong, Ahab. It is you who is troubling Israel with your apostasy. That's gutsy in anybody's book. 
After that, the most remarkable event in Elijah's life, the contest at Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. It's a theological shootout to determine who is the real God. Is it Yahweh or is it Baal? And in this corner, there are 450 prophets representing Baal. In the other corner, Elijah by his lonesome. And Elijah not only stood his ground, but he won. He is an Israelite hero if ever there was one. And in our story for the day, the vaunted prophet is aging. He's deep into the fourth quarter of his life. He's inside the two-minute warning. This is my only Super Bowl illusion of the day. And it's time for this season of of leadership to transition. Someone else is going to need to sit in his seat as Israel's prophetic voice And Elijah has made his choice for successor. In 2001, uh, a seminary professor here in town, Walter Brueggemann at Columbia Seminary, preached a sermon on this passage titled, The Stunning Outcome of a One-Person Search Committee. I'd never considered that Elijah alone, under the leadership of God's Spirit, chose the young Elisha to be the next spiritual leader of the people of Israel. It is a pretty small search committee. But in today's story, the older Elijah, walking slumped and slow, is accompanied by the fit and agile and younger prophet. They're on their way to Gilgal, where the prophets speak to Elisha and broach the difficult topic that Elijah is coming upon the end of his days. Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And apparently the younger prophet is not comfortable with the topic. And he says, yes, I know. Keep silent. Well, I get it. I mean, there, there are a lot of people who are uncomfortable talking about the end. I'm at bedsides with families, and I hear some version of this story over and over. There's 98-year-old mama trying to make the holy transition, and one of the children saying, Mama, I know you're a fighter. You know good and well that next winter we're going back to Jackson Hole and going skiing again. Well, guess what? Mama's not going back to Jackson Hole, going skiing again. But some people just have a hard time talking about the beautiful mystery that transitions us from this life to the next. Anyway, Elijah and Elisha walk another 11 miles all the way to Jericho. And this conversation repeats The prophets there say to the younger, do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? Yeah, I know. Keep silent. Then they're standing by the river Jordan and Elijah takes his mantle, this kind of loose overcoat, and he rolls it up, sticks it in the water, and the water parts. 
Like Moses' leadership years ago, a contemporary great leader touches the water and it parts for them to cross on dry land. And on the other side of the riverbank, the older prophet turns to the younger and he's confronted a third time with the hard truth of Elijah's leaving. Tell me what I may do for you, Elijah says, before I am taken from you. And finally, the younger prophet is willing to hear and take seriously the moment, and he says, please let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. The young leader has seen the ways that the Spirit of God has landed and rested on Elijah. The role of leadership is about to pass to him, and he recognizes that he's going to need twice the power of God's Spirit resting on him if he's going to take this task. And they continue walking at the slow pace of the elder prophet when suddenly... They're separated by chariots of fire, horses of fire, a wind that roars and slings and pulls Elijah into heaven. And Elisha wails, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And when the prophet is completely out of sight, Elisha rips his clothes in grief. And when the awesome vision is over and the wind stills, Elisha notices that the mantle, Elijah's loose overcoat, is on the ground. And he picks it up, goes back to the Jordan, rolls it like he had seen Elijah do. And he parts the water again for his solo return. He now holds the power of God's blessing and an awesome new responsibility to God's, to God's people. And still today, we talk of passing the mantle of leadership. It is a phrase that is born directly out of this story. As I said, it's a beautiful story. It's got a certain Hallmark movie quality to it, doesn't it? The venerated prophet hoisted into heaven, strong wind, the young Elisha bends over, takes the mantle, assumes his place. The scene should be shot at dusk, I think. Soft and lilting music in the background. It just has a beauty to it. But in the play of my goofy imagination, I'm sitting in the office, reading the scriptures, consulting the commentaries, and it pops in my head, what if Elisha just said no? I mean, it's not a done deal, right? He gets to say no. Nobody has to say yes to the call of leadership or the voice of God. He could have just said, not me. I mean, besides, they hadn't, they hadn't discussed salary, vacation days, paid time off, professional development allowance. Is this a volunteer position? If I take this, what else am I neglecting? He could have looked at this enormous responsibility following somebody like Elijah, a legend. 
He could have looked at his oversubscribed calendar and just said, I think I'm going to leave that mantle right there. Somebody else will pass by and try it on and see if it fits them, but I'm out. Somebody asked me an intriguing question several years ago. He asked, do you think Mary was the first young virgin visited by the angel Gabriel? Or do you think Gabriel got several no's before Mary said yes to the scandalous offer to an unwed pregnancy? Mary could have said no too, I guess. The story of God's love reaching and redeeming is also the story of thousands of ordinary people who said yes to their part in the drama. Sunday school teachers and mission volunteers and committee leaders, except for a handful of us who are paid clergy, the overwhelming part of the ministry of Christ is fulfilled by people who just said yes. When they heard the call to serve, they just said yes. Friday morning, a member of this congregation took me to breakfast. He had an agenda, but this was his agenda. He asked me, how can I do a better job of serving my church? What do you need done that I might have the skill set to succeed at helping with? Do you know there are a few things that will light up a pastor? <laughs> like somebody asking, do you have a loose-fitting overcoat you think might fit me? Is there some mantle that might be mine? I skipped and whistled the rest of the day. The witness to God's love in the world, the strength of God's church has never been dependent on people who were ready for leadership. It has been carried forward by the faithful men and women who were available for leadership. The ones who said yes with chattering teeth. The ones who said yes even when the job seemed too big. In spite of the fact that he was following Elijah, Elisha simply said, Yeah, I'll do it. In the last two years, our church has lost some of her finest leaders. I've stood by graves nursing nursing my private grief, but also wondering how in the world our church will move forward now that Elijah is gone. I find myself driving to cemeteries, singing the country song, who's going to fill their shoes? Who's going to stand that tall? Well, to be warned, it's going to be one of you. In the ongoing witness to God's love, it's time for you to find your place of impact. So I'm going to ask you all to pray in the coming weeks 
about whether or not God might have dropped a mantle in front of you that you've been ignoring or just scared to pick up? Is there some call to contribute that's just scared you to death and you just needed a nudge to say yes? Elisha didn't feel ready either. But he said yes, trembling knees and all. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.